0: Good morning, good morning. It is the 30th of August, which is not the last day of August. I had to remind myself this morning, 30 days have September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, except for February, which I could never figure out. But that means that August has 31 days, and so that is tomorrow. Um, also mindful that uh, tomorrow, August 31st, is the 25th anniversary of the death of Princess Diana, and you are going to see and read and hear a whole lot about that um, in the conversations of the day. You know, among folks who um, are not only sensitive to history, but to her as a person who was hugely and deeply influential in the lives of, um, well, those of us who sort of grew up in that era. So to be mindful of that in the next, uh, today and tomorrow in the coming days as well. And maybe consider... um if you're a person who has lost a mom um, particularly early in your life, you know consider the the ongoing grief and sort of maternal vacuum that exists in the lives of those boys you know they're they're married to women who never knew their mom um their grandkids or their kids her grandkids you know never had the opportunity to know her and so um you know we, we consider her a global figure but She's also somebody's daughter and sister and mother and friend. And so let us be mindful today of the very genuine grief being experienced anew and afresh uh, by those who knew her well, knew her best. And consider, you know, uh, uh, the grief that we carry in, in similar ways. Today's growing your faith verse of the day comes from Proverbs chapter thirty verses eight and nine. I'm going to focus on the very beginning of this um, passage, but we're going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to focus on the beginning part. So it says at the outset: First, help me never tell a lie. Help me never tell a lie. And then second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, "Who <laughs> is the Lord?" If I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So let me focus in on the beginning of this uh, verse, these two verses. Uh, First, help me never tell a lie. That reminded me um, of the phrase, so help me God, that comes in, you know, the swearing in that you might offer when you're giving testimony. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So help me God. I mean, help me never tell a lie. So what is truth, and who is truth, and what do we know about the truth, and how are we walking in truth? What does it mean to be spirit, the people of the spirit of truth? Jesus came full of grace and what? Full of grace and truth. Jesus says of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus says that his followers will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. In John 17, we hear the recorded prayer of Jesus at the you know, the, just before he enters into, you know, what we consider the particular passion narrative, Jesus prays for his disciples that the Father would sanctify them in the truth. And in John 17, Jesus affirms that God's word is truth. Jesus promised that when the spirit of truth comes, he would guide us into all truth. Hmm. We're living in the midst of a generation of skeptics and doubters and deniers of truth, but you know, I think it's important to note today that's nothing new. <laughs> that is nothing new. I mean, you know, let's think about Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Where does that conversation go? Mm-hmm. What is what is truth? Pilate asks. Maybe we better understand that Pilate saying, <laughs> What has the truth got to do with this? Well, why does the truth matter in this situation? There's a there's a Political expedience to be satisfied here. But I think that the question um, recorded there from Pontius Pilate, what is truth, is the question of the day for lots of people that we're going to encounter. What is truth? And so today, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, we are people possessed of the truth, like literally possessed of the spirit of truth, charged with speaking the truth and representing the one who is the truth to a world that's frankly under the spell of the father of lies. And so let's, let's pray with Solomon today, the opening part of this passage. God, help me tell the truth and never tell a lie. And then give me this day my daily bread, enough to satisfy my real needs, but not more than I need, lest I begin to imagine that I'm self-sufficient or self-made or self-reliant, denying God his goodness, his providence, and his grace. Amen? Amen. Amen. Nick Pitts is going to join us next. We're going to survey some of the headlines of the day. Talk a little bit about the intersection of politics and faith here in the United States of America. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mr. Pitts. Why, it's great to have there, you back.
1: Hello. Happy Tuesday to you.
0: Happy Tuesday to you, too. Um, so um, we were talking about the truth in the opening segment, and I don't know, but I just wanted to say to you, liar, liar, pants on fire.
1: What's that? Because okay.
0: because Antron? I feel like you're a person that would understand that the pants would be on fire of the liar because Satan is the father of lies. Okay. And, it, and it's hot sense. where he is. It's hot where he is. Oh, that, I've that never compl- thought about. I've never thought about why the liar's pants were on fire, but I think the liar's pants are on fire because he's dangling precariously close to the flames.
1: That makes that makes complete sense. And you know the yeah. the, the Mark Twain quote. It's probably a little bit crude. Uh, that a uh, uh, lie can get halfway across the world before truth can get its pants on. So maybe there's oh. just something about flame retardant pants um, <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> and maybe that's why
0: maybe that's why Paul says in Ephesians 14 you got to fasten the belt of truth because you got to get yeah, your you got to get your truth pants on. That,
1: mm-hmm. you know I think, I think we're, we're on to something.
0: something. I do yeah. too. I do too. Not at all where I thought we were going this morning. <laughs> um so um you know it's even hard for me to sort of tee up um this story about Pete Buttigieg and his husband Jason, and their children Because I feel like that is buying into the lie that this is a marriage and that two men can have babies, but that's the story before us. So, um, uh, talk with us about what's going on in the Buttigieg family.
1: Yeah. So I I think one, like you, like you said, it's important just to understand the context, right? Um, That we're not endorsing the marriage, we're not endorsing the action of adoption that happened about a year ago, but. Uh, and, I, and I'm not going to put a but there because but no one voids everything for it. And I'll just say this, though. Um, uh, Mayor Pete uh, wrote a, a blog post on Medium that was published earlier this week. Uh, that was just a very, it was a very moving piece about uh, uh, his beginnings with his two adopted twins from a year ago. Their hospital struggles to... Um, to just the what would what any parent that's in the listening audience would understand is just the the struggles and the joyous difficulties that is parenting uh newborn toddlers. And there's just one there's one line that is uh, drawn a lot of attention that just really does capture how parenting just makes you this completely selfless individual. He says, he says, quote, in one year, you go from someone absorbed in your own worries, hopes and career to having fully faced just how much in life is outside your control and how magical it is to spend every day with someone who matters more to you than your old self could possibly have dreamed of. Um, there's the line that parenting is like having your heart outside your body, um, just walking and traipsing around, and this this really does capture that sentiment.
0: Yeah, I think anybody that's held a newborn baby these these babies, you know, premature, weighing about five pounds, you know, and he says, you know, I, I marveled at how tiny they were, how utterly vulnerable and dependent. Um, there is something about new life and its fragility uh-huh. um that makes us mindful of who we are um and that we are not self-made um and that we can't we can't take care of ourselves like there's this this parenting that god does this father god thing this is something we need
1: mhm uh-huh. yeah you know it, i can't help but think there's just Certain you know, there's certain biblical prophets, whenever you look throughout the biblical narrative, that are awakened to the reality that there is a maker that is sustaining them and and helping them through life. So you can't help but think about Elijah when he's feeling the weight of the the strain of his uh, now contentious relationship with Saul. You think about uh, Naomi at the very end of just the, a very tragic life of having someone like Ruth come along and really um, and be be a support for her during this time. And I'm not trying to score cheap political points on Mayor Pete in this moment, but I can't help but read, after you read it, it's just a very moving blog reflection on the first mm-hmm. of the year of painting. I can't help but think, and how can you hold how can you hold to a pro choice position and want the termination of these babies that you're now like cherishing and realizing so much of the richness of life comes from of um, as Andy Stanley says, probably the greatest contribution to the kingdom you'll do is raising the next generation. Right? Like I, I just it's hard for me to hold. It's hard for me to imagine how he's holding those two positions in hand: of one being four individuals um, not having the chance to raise those raise kids, and then two realizing how much of a contribution and how rich his life is now because of his selflessness that comes with parenting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, I want to talk with you about a politician in Arizona who, talking, speaking of abortion, there um, has made a 180 on the topic. So, are you guys familiar with Blake Masters? Well, he was ardently pro-life, but now um, he's singing a different tune. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio.
1: There's always
0: a reason to always choose joy. There's something deeper that the world can't destroy. Smile when you think you can't smile. We're talking with Nick Pitts. We're surveying some headlines across the country and applying the mind of Christ to the conversations of this day, hoping that uh, it will help to equip you for the conversations you're going to have as you walk out the door this morning. So, um, so Nick, uh, This Senate candidate in uh, in Arizona, Blake Masters, um, up until Thursday, he described himself on his website as 100 percent pro-life. His website no longer says that. And he no longer says that. What's going on here?
1: Yeah, so Blake Masters, uh, and the, the name might sound familiar to some. He uh, he's running for Senate in uh, Arizona. He is the candidate that was one of the candidates that was backed by Peter Thiel, who is the uh, uh, Silicon Valley billionaire that backed is backing candidates such as JD Vance in Ohio, and has been a very strong supporter of President Trump. Uh, Well, he's running in Arizona, and uh, for your older listeners that probably might remember, this is not the Arizona of Barry Goldwater um, anymore. This is much more of a mavericky, very independent purple state now that holds individuals like – selected individuals like John McCain – uh, their current cent, rep, uh, incumbent is Kristen Sinema, who is Democratic but is moderate um, to a certain degree. And then you've got uh, Mark Kelly, uh, who's a former NASA astronaut that very uh, is somewhat of a centrist, and he he looked to be someone that was prime for the picking for Republicans if they could moderate, um, kind of uh, put forward a candidate that wasn't too far to the right, but was that held strong to Republican convictions. And lo and behold, what we're seeing now with uh, Blake Masters is he's beginning, as the polls begin to move, so do his principles and positions. So we've seen him, everything from his pro-life positions have begun to move, and he's um, scrubbed that all off his website. To now he's scrubbing off some of the hardline positions of the 2020 election. Um, he's beginning to remove those from his website. And I don't want to I don't want to say that it's because of the poll numbers, but it just so, so happens coincides with the fact that uh, he was uh, a candidate that was uh, very looked to be uh, to be the next elected representative um, representing the great state of Arizona in the Senate. But now there's polls ranging from him losing from a very conservative three points to a very liberal 10 points. And so not looking good right now.
0: So curious to me that. um in a nation where most people do not do not support late term abortion do not support abortion on demand do not support taxpayer funded abortion um that candidates feel the need to run toward toward abortion i mean as opposed to just saying life is life um we're not sovereign over it um and we're not god like i I just think it's a pretty straightforward position to take i you know i mean I recognize that they feel like they got to get literally down into the um, into the weeds, uh, you know, trying to define when life begins. But you know, I just, I just feel like you can pretty clearly state, life is life. We're not the creators of it, and we're not God. Like I think that you puts know, you on really firm footing with the American public.
1: Oh yeah, I and and polling indicates that. Uh, w- but what's so fascinating is, and here just from a from a logical perspective, and I, and I could be wrong. I can, it, it makes complete sense to me somebody moving from the pro choice to pro life side. Because me too, I me
0: too. That migration makes, makes total sense to me.
1: Yeah. But it makes no sense to me to go from believing that a person is a per- person at conception and then to say, well, now I think that that person doesn't deserve life. And that's not. That's, I, that just, it just doesn't logically make sense to me. And then, coupled with that, it's just the understanding of at the end of the day, we don't elect individuals to to echo our views. We elect individuals because we want, as Evan Burt said, we want their industry, but we also want their knowledge uh, and we want their judgment. And an well, individual and I want somebody
0: that's principled. I mean, I, yeah, you know, yeah, somebody that's I, all flip floppy, that's not my guy.
1: Yeah. and at the end of the day like I it, you're eliminating exactly the point like I, I'm electing somebody for their knowledge and for their principles and with somebody that's that's shifting based on the polls that's not somebody that that can be representative of me because I want somebody that I know who's going to reflect and, and going to stand for the principles that I hold dear hence the reason why you're having an election for him or for her it just may it just causes cause for concern right now but then again, we're still 10 weeks out. This could just be a minor blub and we'll see him firm up his convictions. But right now it's, it's very disconcerting and discouraging to say the very least.
0: You know what, maybe that's the, uh, maybe that's the approach we should take here, Nick. Maybe we should say, you know, let, let's be praying that God would send, um, you know, somebody that's influential in this man's life, um, to come alongside him and say, dude, this is, this is not who you are. And this is not what you believe. Like be, you know, be a person of conviction, um, you you know that life is life, uh, and let's talk about the personhood conversation. And you can't you can't migrate away from that um, just to satisfy the polls. That's not going to be who you want to live. You don't want to live as that person on the other side of an election, right? I mean, that's just yeah. So let's be praying that God would bring somebody into um, you know into His life to help him you know to help him see the importance of uh, of standing where he knows the truth is. Because I you know I think. That the original statements that he made about personhood um, and about the the reality of uh, unborn humans preborn humans, um, I think those statements were honest and accurate um, yeah. and I think that scrubbing the website is probably a uh, probably a political uh, politically motivated act. hey um can you brief us in just really quickly here? Um, the Secret service, I guess announced on Friday that it had recovered. Something like $286 million in fraudulently <laughs> attained economic injury disaster loans. So that was like PPP loans, I guess, that people took out in the, um, the COVID-19 uh, relief package um, that they really weren't meant for. It wasn't meant for them.
1: So this is a part of me that wants to be very gracious, but this is also a part of me that it's just a a word of wisdom. I want to be very cautious with allowing the government to do certain tasks. And so we all remember during the height of the pandemic at the very forefront, we remembered there was just so much so many unknowns. We were asking people to stop working and the government was supplying and infusing the marketplace with a significant amount of money and funds and really had very few parameters or guide, uh, guide rail guardrails rather to really make sure, because at the end of the day, they were just going to try to, they would get it back more than they wanted to, um, more than they wanted to be cautious with who they gave it to. Well, now I come to find out that, that there's just a, a multitude of individuals and entities that were trying to scam the government in order to uh, get some of those funds. And so we're seeing the Secret Service get back uh, uh, over $200 million here in this instance. We heard reports from the Wall Street Journal last year that they had given upwards of a billion dollars to dead people um, with some of these loans that were coming out, the stimulus checks that were coming out. And so we're just seeing uh uh, the government is such a vast, big entity that it it is not does not operate well when it operates quickly and has to make quick changes. And so, this is a remind. One, I want to be I'm I'm grateful that they're getting the money back. Two, I'm very cautious moving forward of giving them that much power to infuse that much uh that much of a difference in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, um, Nick. As always, thank you so much. We love talking with you. Uh, blessings on uh, blessings on your day and your week. We look forward to talking with you again.
1: Looking forward to it. Thanks, Carmen.
0: Thanks. Hey, what's um let's uh let's hear from Max Lucato on Upwards and then let's uh check out what's going on around the world with Luke Moon. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. heard in the overnight hours um, reporting that the U.S. embassy in Baghdad had been evacuated via helicopters on the roof. That is not true. Um, And so, you know, in in an attempt to be certain that we tell the truth about what's happening and we not um, forward on to others information that is inaccurate, uh, important to note this morning that the U.S. embassy in, uh, in Baghdad, Iraq, is not was not, has not been evacuated. Um, They have not evacuated U.S. personnel from the embassy in Baghdad, as was reported by some outlets. So that's uh, the Biden administration via John Kirby. Um, However, um, Iraq is in a a mess. So John Kirby, who is the coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council, has called reports of unrest in Iraq, uh, not only disturbing, but expressed concern that quote: Iraqi institutions are not being allowed to function. Um, the uh, uh, the it's 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 a mess. The Green Zone in Baghdad is um, is a riotous mess, and we're going to talk with Luke Moon next about what's going on there because it's actually religious zealotry that is at the heart of what's going on um, in the political uh, disaster. Uh, unfolding in Iraq this morning. So that's up next. you on Mornings with Carmen.
2: The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. When the man comes around.
0: Luke Moon is here. Uh, you can find him at the Philos Project and at Providence Magazine. Good morning, sir. Good morning. All right, what in the world is going on in Iraq?
2: Well, there's quite a bit going on in Iraq. So, people who who are old enough to remember this guy, uh, Maktadar al-Sadr, uh, he was back in the, you know, back, man, back when
0: He's been around a when,
2: while. He's been around a long time. Well, he's he became a regular politician guy and uh won elections last October uh, but was not able to form a majority government, and he has been fighting with the other Shiite political parties. So you know, Iraq is split into two major political groups: the 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 Shia and the Sunni, uh, and and he he just refused to to form a coalition with the other Shiite groups, and. It reached a head yesterday uh, or two days ago. Uh, It's, you know, there are times ahead of us a little bit um, where he was just done. He's like, I'm done. You guys are driving me crazy. And he uh, he walked away uh, and resigned. And his supporters took to the streets, took to Baghdad, uh, took to the green zone specifically, which is where the parliament is. But it's also where a lot of the embassies are and uh have been protesting rioting there's been uh, i think 24 people uh have been killed uh lots of of fighting between various factions uh militias that kind of thing and um it, it's it's just a few minutes ago uh sadr uh, told his you know the the you know the, his his supporters to lead the green zone enough is enough and uh, so that's that was an announcement made a few minutes ago so we'll see if it uh, if supporters begin to if, if the violence begins to drop down okay
0: so um, I'm reading that Iraq is a federal parliamentary representative democratic Republic um I think that might kind of surprise some people that that's a pretty regular form of government and yet, I don't think when we think about Iraq, we think about a regular, you know, sort of a regular ordered form of government. That's probably just my bias showing. Um, has it been a, a a democratic republic for a long time?
2: Well, it's been since we, you know, since we invaded. Since we, actually, since,
0: we, since we told them that that's what the way they should form their government.
2: Well, I mean, they have a parliamentary system as with most governments. I mean, really the 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 challenge here is the challenge that seems to be all over the place, in where you have, where where you have a a, the parliamentary system is like you elect your guy, and he has to form a coalition with other people after the election, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. you know our our system is we actually form our coalition before the election as as Mm -hmm. opposed to after, right? Because you know the Republican party coalition is you know is libertarians and uh you know social conservatives and and hawks and doves and you know all kinds of various conservative and republican type people same with the democrats right uh the parliamentary system is is you do that after and it seems that there's a lot of places in the world these days and in america included where the population is is really the split almost right down the middle to where you're not getting, you have enough to win, but not enough to, to lead. Right. Mm-hmm, Which mm-hmm. Is a consistent problem, not just in Iraq, but all over the place. And that's what, I mean, that has been the stalemate that has led to this. It has been, I mean, they, the elections were last October. So almost a year of, you know political wrangling let's get this together you know oh i can't be in a coalition with that guy oh no you know maybe and and actually it was the other groups uh the other shiite parties tried to um form their own coalition against him but didn't have enough to 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 to, 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 to get them over the edge
0: yeah right? so, i think I think, Luke, that one of the things that I want to highlight here is, first of all, there's there's some religious zealotry involved in this conversation, in particular uh, in this situation. But people who are arguing that the two-party system in America, because it's, it's so broken, the answer is we need more parties. We need four or five parties. Right. Well, these are countries. These countries that can't form a government, they have four and five parties. I'm thinking here of Italy. I'm thinking here of Israel. Israel. Um, I mean, if you have if you have lots of parties, then you elect lots of different kinds of people. And then those people have to figure out how they are going to form a government. And so I just it's a I think it's a cautionary tale of the difference between the way things operate here in the United States and the way things are currently operating around the world that have parliamentary systems and they cannot form functional governments.
2: Right, and I mean, we we barely have a functional government ourselves, right? But yeah. it, but like I said, the the major difference is we actually form our coalition before the election instead of after it. Which, but we're also just as as like divided, though. I mean, like there's mm-hmm. not, I mean, there's not any major. There's just a handful of issues where you're gonna get like, you know, sixty to seventy percent of people will agree on. But they won't agree on even how to solve that problem. I mean, like, you know, it's pretty common these days. I mean, look, even our House of Representatives is is, is I think seven seats divide power in the in the Senate. One seat determines the power. Right. Like that's how close we are in terms of our own 50 mm-hmm. 50 Right. And so you can imagine, like, I mean, that's that same situation is happening in other parts of the world. In Iraq is the same thing is whereas, you know, the the Shiite parties, he had enough to to win the election, but not enough to, to form a, a ruling government, which means that they're in this stalemate situation. Yeah. And, and I mean, the religious aspect you know, there's religious aspects undergird this a lot, but, you know, in terms of, you know, in in our own parties, we have, you know, you have the, you know, you have the progressives, you know, which, you know, led by, you know, groups, you know, people like AOC, but you have, um, you know, on the right, you have some, you know, pretty. You have a
0: lot of divergence as well,
2: yeah. Hey, I want to
0: jump. I want to jump countries. Can we do that? Because we have a new coalition government in Israel. Which can you brief us in on that?
2: Well, the, well, it's there. Is it age. not new? It's not yet. So there's oh, yet. They have elections coming up in in Israel, and they're doing the same thing. They have they have um, uh, elections are set for November because the coalition that was formed uh, in Iraq or sorry in Israel it collapsed right. It, you know, basically, it, you know, in order to have a government you, there, it's 122 seats. You need 61 in order to have a ruling government. And and one of the parties in the coalition was like, ah, I had enough. Right. And so the government collapses and they call for elections. And uh, and so th- there is a in the party in the coalition that was there was a an, an Arab leader who who is known as an islamist but he was the first he was the first arab um uh party he led the first arab party in the indian israeli coalition ever and Mm -hmm. you know people have it's been mixed reviews some people love it and some people hate it i mean other arabs even hate it because they see him as a traitor but then there's a bunch of jews who also see the guy as a traitor so this guy um Mansour Abbas, he he is in this upcoming election. You know he could he could do pretty well. He could do better than he did last time because I think he proved himself to be effective, an effective politician. Uh, but he also could be, you know, the perhaps a kingmaker. You know, if he you know if he's able to bring five seats to the table uh, in a coalition, that he could be in the next coalition as well. It's it's, you know, it's the, the margins are so tight. Like I said, it only takes 61 to, to become a major, leader of a majority coalition. Uh, and, you know, five seats matter. Um And, and so he could be really effective. So, but it's, again, that's that same problem all over the world. And I'm, I, I, you know, now that you've brought it to mind, Carmen, I'm, I'm curious a bit in my head about why why we're so like split 50-50 around the world. It's weird, you know, like this we're not weird. raging yeah, about is. one thing because it's it's like it's everywhere, that 50-50 split.
0: So uh we're going to take a brief pause here, but then we're going to turn our attention um to other countries in the Middle East, Pakistan and Libya in particular. A third of Pakistan is currently underwater. Deadly floods, um, have taken the lives, claimed the lives of at least a thousand people, but the death toll is very, very likely to rise. An estimated $10 billion in damage already done. The UN appealing for global aid. That conversation about Pakistan up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. All right, we're talking with Luke Moon from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. Um, you'll appreciate this, uh, Luke. We have a listener who says, well, Jesus is unity and Satan is division. <laughs> so if, if we're divided, you know, take note. Valid point, valid point. Um, Pakistan, wow. I mean, for a third of your country to be underwater and to already be as impoverished as Pakistan is, this is, um, this is really devastating.
2: Yeah, have you seen the, the video? I saw a it, video Extraordinary in, of of like I mean, you always anytime there's a you know major flood you always see buildings floating down the street. But there was there was a like it was a like a school, or like it was like a three or four story building It was massive. I mean like a big building and it just collapsed the whole thing. Water got under it and 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 um you know, pretty devastating floods. Uh yeah, like you mentioned before the break over a thousand, eleven over 1100 people have have died so far um you know it is the rainy season but you know i was i've been thinking about you know it's been, it was it's been really dry here where i live i may mean, have trees that are you know shed their leaves because it's you know they're just look like dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we'll see uh and and it's like well if it's gonna If it's dry here, it means somewhere else is getting a lot of rain, right? So, it's been it's been crazy over there. Just the massive devastation, and you know, there's I mean, there's parts of you know uh, of of Pakistan that are very very remote, you know, like um, very little road access, um, you know, and like you said, very impoverished and. And uh, very like steep hills, I mean, that all that kind of stuff is very ripe for just a massive destruction when it comes to when it comes to uh, heavy rains and, and flooding. A lot of that stuff can end up getting washed away. And it, a lot of I, I think you're right. The, the death toll likely rise pretty significantly.
0: Yeah, let's be praying today for um, Christian ministries operating in, uh, in, in Pakistan. There are many, many of them. Um, and so let's be, we certainly be praying today for um, Oxfam and others uh, operating in, in Pakistan and churches in Pakistan um, as we consider what's happening there. Uh, tell us what's going on in Libya, um, unrest in Libya as well.
2: Yeah, Libya has basically you know, once once Qaddafi man, I'm I'm going through the the Rolodex of old leaders today, aren't I, Karen? Mm-hmm.
0: It's, good. it's good. It's why we have you, because you actually know their names and can pronounce them.
2: <laughs> so once Gaddafi uh was 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 killed, uh Libya has has consistently fallen into kind of warlordism it was very tribal to begin with i mean it was really held one of those places that was held together within an you know in with a combination of an a, you know a, a velvet glove and an iron fist right so he was you know nice to all the right people crushed all the wrong people or you know and and just kind of ruled very in a very strong way once he died uh Libya fell into kind of warlordism for a while, had various militias, various tribal factions, and then it stabilized. Well, you know, over the last several days, uh, it has unstabilized, basically, and returned back to kind of the militia, uh, the back to the militias. There was... Um, over the weekend, 30 people were killed in fighting uh, among militias, over 160 wounded, you know, lots of clashes, you know, Libya is, you know, an, an oil producing country. Uh, there's a lot of, actually a lot of countries in Europe, uh, which, which are, are super desperate for oil um, these days. And, and Libya is, you know, has a lot of it. Uh, but, it's also, you know, in this it just a it's not a stable country. It's one of those kind of like failed countries that occasionally reaches stability for a while and then falls back into, um, you know, violence and and kind of uh, tribalism, which is it's historically it's been a big part of Libya. But, you know, it, like I said, it was it was held together, but it's broken apart again, unfortunately.
0: Mm there's a, one storyline um out of this that you know pe- people people imagine that because they're holding a phone and filming something that they're going to be treated like regular members of the of the media which you know are ordinarily not fired upon um and not under attack um but people were trying to do this as well like this uh this comedian who is a, it posted on Instagram um he's you know he's trying to document the events on Instagram for his followers. Yeah. And, you know, and right. I mean, he caught a stray bullet like, right. It's not. So I just think that when we imagine that somehow war is that we're somehow like protected from the reality of, of what's happening, like we're like we're living in video games as opposed to living in the reality of the real world. So I don't know. I just that that caught my attention as well
2: you that that's that's happening increasingly one of the things i mean i'm uh, there's been several commentators over the last several months that have talked about you know how when when violence is happening you know like a you know a woman getting beat up on a subway and the the immediate reaction everybody is not to step in and you know uh keep the woman from being beaten up but it's the Get out your phone and film it, so which is which is very weird. There was an article a couple of years ago the "Rise of the Beta Male," right? So the beta, the beta male like just stands there with his phone in his hand and watches this woman get beat up, right? And and I think that you know we we've live in this age where 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 people get, like getting clicks and getting likes and getting followers and. And, you know, uh, numbers of views is like the determiner of value. Uh, you know, it it creates a certain behavior that in, you know, in, in, in the case of Libya, you know, the guy gets killed in the case of, you know, the subways of New York, people watch people get beat up or stabbed or whatever and do nothing. Um, and, you know, the, I think the you know, social media, um, has, has really flattened the way that people get information, but it also means that, you know, anybody can suddenly be uh, a reporter and, you know, post whatever, but it also, I think it, it, you know, the people who are agree with you or against you is, is an increasingly small list. Right. And you kind of, target your followers the people who like what you have to say. And you kind of lean into that, which I think creates that the, the kind of vibe where people are turning against each other. It's an increasingly small circle of, of people who follow you and your stuff and agree with you. And, you know, Oh, you don't agree with me. Well, then I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you off. I'm canceling you that kind of thing. And I just, it, it does, it's leading us down a, a very dark path. And uh, um, I don't think we're we're at the end of it yet. I think we got a, a little while to go before we feel I realize this is this is not working so well.
0: Mm. Um, all right. Um, how about one um, one quick briefing here on the other side of the world from um, from Taiwan?
2: So uh, Taiwan obviously back in the news. Uh, the U.S. is is has a couple of ships that are uh, navy ships that are going to kind of cruise the straits of Taiwan, which is the straits between Taiwan and uh, China, um, and just as a show of support, uh, you know, after uh, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi went to uh, Taiwan, uh, China uh, did a bunch of of war games and drills and, you know, was basically kind of showing show of force, I guess, against Taiwan. Um, and, you know, the U.S. Uh, has a, you know, is going to bring some ships through the straits and saying, listen, we're, we're standing, we're standing with Taiwan. You know, my, my hope is we, we do continue to do that. It seems that, you know, the, you know, the U.S. is the, 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 the smaller countries in Asia are are concerned about China's rise, no a rise in particular, and so they see, you know, Taiwan is the next. You know, they saw what happened with with Hong Kong. Um, you know, and Hong Kong basically is no longer a, really a democracy, and and instead have it's it. They want to. They don't want Taiwan to go in the same direction that. That Hong Kong went, and so they're they're really kind of putting a lot of hopes into Taiwan being uh, holding the line, I guess, against yeah. Chinese aggression.
0: Luke, as always, thank you for taking us around the world and briefing us in on what is happening. Um, we appreciate uh, we appreciate our time with you.
2: Awesome, great,
0: yeah. thanks, Absolutely. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When we come back. We're going to talk about a couple of real issues for real families right here at home. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Real crisis in uh, Jackson, Mississippi this morning. The governor of Mississippi announced last night that the city of Jackson does not have access to potable water. No water uh, in the city of Jackson. It's the second largest city in the state of Mississippi. They cannot produce enough water right now to fight fires, reliably flush their toilets, or meet other critical needs. Um, and you're going to say to yourself, "Well, it's because of all that torrential rain." Well, yes, and. It's because they have a, uh, a system that hasn't been upgraded in decades. And so um, bottled water being distributed today for all needs across the city of Jackson, Mississippi. Let's be lifting up churches in those communities as well. Another hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.